what an encouraging thing that God has uh, done here at Mission View. We're thankful for the way that he continues to grow this ministry. I'm thankful for just the time that we have to, to reflect and to think about all the things that God has done. So I think about this past year, God has given us uh, a place to meet. He has given us people. He has given us the resources that, just enough resources to, to be able to, to meet the needs within this community or the, the, the needs that he has put on our hearts. And I'm thankful for that, the way that God has grown this ministry. This morning, what we want to do is not only look at the faithfulness of God, but we also want to look at where we're going to be going, where we're going to be going. Now, this past year, if I was to put it in one word, what we tried to communicate through God's word is that we needed to be the church. The key word was church. We learned in the last fall, a year, a year ago, what the commission of the church and what it meant to pursue Christ. And then we learned from the book of Ephesians that even though we all come, some people come from different denominations, some people come from uh, no religious background whatsoever, that if we gather here and we focus on Christ and we focus on his word, we are the body of Christ. It's not about a denomination. It's about what God is all about and that we are his family. And then during the summer, we went through Proverbs, just looking at how we should act as a church, the, the wisdom that we should apply to our daily life. Today, though, we're going to look forward and look forward to this next year. If I was to put in one word what next year is going to be about, it's going to be about Jesus. We're going to look in the book of Mark and we're going to study Christ. We're going to go in the winter and the spring. We're going to look in the Old Testament at how Christ was interwoven through the Old Testament. And then we'll end the year in the summer just looking at the wisdom again of how a Christ-like life needs to be lived out in, in our community. So that's what we're looking forward to. So as we look forward to these things, I hope that you will be encouraged. Now today, what I want us to do is I want us to kind of hone in on what our focal point should be this year. Yes, it should be Christ, but what are some practical things that we should do? And there's four questions that I'm going to be asking that I want us to think about. Number one, I want us to think about who we are. Second, I want us to think about what we must do in light of who we are. Number three, I want us to think about the ultimate goal that we are to accomplish. And finally, how will we do this? And at the very end, we will have the elders come up, and they're going to be sharing some short-term and long-term vision things for us. So let's pray and ask that God would really use this time. And um, I'm going to ask a couple people if you'd help lift up the table, get up on the stage while I pray. Lord, I just pray, Father, that you would uh, do a work in our hearts. I pray, Father, that you would help us to be faithful to your word. I pray, Father, that you would help us to think through what you want for our lives. I pray that your word would be a mirror to our hearts. I pray that you'd help us to see the focal point that you want in each of our life. Sometimes, Lord, we are missing out on a focus in our life. We're running aimlessly. We don't want to be a people like that. We want to be a people that are focused in on what you want us to be. And I pray that you'd help us as a body to know that. In Christ's name, amen. 
Well, we're not going to be looking at one particular passage. I'm going to be looking at several different passages this morning, answering those four questions. And the first passage I'm going to look at is 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. It's only one verse. And we're going to answer the question, who we are. Here's the verse. If you don't have your Bibles, you can listen. But if you want to turn to 1 John 3, 1, you can do that as well. It says this. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. Think about that verse. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. Now, I have a little confession to make. In the last few weeks, I have been rather nostalgic. Now, I actually looked up that word, nostalgic, just to make sure I was going to use it properly. And Webster says that being nostalgic is this, pleasure and sadness that is caused by remembering something from the past and wishing that you could experience it again. That absolutely describes me to a T in the last few weeks. You see, my oldest son is going to be getting married on October 25th, and Lee and I were asked to send old home videos to Chicago so that they could put together a little presentation. Now you're going to see some of that footage going on behind me in terms of some of my family footage. And, and you will recognize my family, but you'll read your own situation into it as well. And as we went through these old videos, Lee and I began to laugh. We began to remember old vacations and also bad hairdos, <laughs> bad clothes styles. We, we relived playing with our kids and holding our kids, whether it was me dancing with Joshua. In a minute, you'll see my son Philip falling asleep in his food. You'll see Sarah playing on the beach with her brothers. Uh, all kinds of, of memories. We had a few of those, I totally forgot about that moment. And yes, we even got misty-eyed at times, at least I did in my heart. Though through this experience, I was reminded of how great a privilege it is to be. <laughs> oh, there we go. Yep, I'm out. Okay. Yes, yes, going fork in head. Okay. <laughs> Now, my wife wasn't too happy I put this, uh, this view of her nice top there. So uh, <laughs> it was back a few years. So Josh will come in and give a little kiss here a little bit. So, oh. <laughs> Somehow I thought I could speak as this was going on. That's okay. That's okay. Personally, what I realized as I was viewing these videos is what a great privilege it is to be a parent. And as a dad, I got to tell you, <laughs> it's such a privilege <laughs> to be called a father, to bury your kids alive. <laughs> Some of the kids that go around here think that I torment them, uh, you know, this is a new thing. No, I've been doing this a long time. The reality is, 
If you're a parent, you know what I'm about to say. You would do anything for your kids. You would do anything because of your love for them. I can remember when the Lord gave all of our kids to us and we had a dedication service similar to what we're going to have in November. November 23rd, we're going to have our first child dedication. We've been having babies left and right. We have our, like our brand new one right here this morning. And so we're going to have a child dedication. And I remember Lee and I, for every one of our kids, holding our child and saying, we are going to raise the best of our abilities, this child, with love and the admonition of the Lord. We're going to try to help them understand God's love through us. And we had a prayer for each of our kids that we still believe is coming true. We prayed that each of our kids would grow up loving God and that each of our kids would grow up serving God. And this is a process, and I, I believe that God is going to answer that prayer, and he's in the process of answering that prayer. But here's what I know about parenting. When we are parents, we tap in emotionally into the heart of God, and we can for the first time understand when God says, I am your father, and the kind of love that is wrapped up in that kind of phrase. When we're told in 1 John, see what kind of love the Father has given us, we understand that. You understand a father because you're a father. If you're a parent, you understand that because of the kind of love that God desires to give to us. He says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. See, according to this verse, Christ followers are God's family. We're his kids. And God's delight is in loving us. Sometimes we have this view of God that he is up there and he is just far and distant from us. But the reality, he is not like that. He loves each and every person. He loves every person that's been born on the face of this planet and desires that relationship for them. But interestingly, he doesn't make us. He doesn't twist our arms. He doesn't make us follow after him. He's given us this thing called free will where we can determine that we are going to follow after him. And at that point when we say, yes, I know I have been a sinner. I know I've done a lot of wrong things. I need you, God. As soon as he does that, he brings us into the family. Jokingly, I tell people that are guests to Mission View, sometimes I'll say, listen, you got one or two times to visit, but by the third time, you're family. I want you to know it's much more instant, instantaneous with God. As soon as we repent, as soon as we yield our life to him, he says, you are my kids. You are my family. You now come under my protection. You chose by your own volition to come to me, and now I will be your father, and I will love you the way that I have promised to love you. It's interesting. We go from a change. A metamorphosis takes place. The scripture says that outside of Christ, like the song we sang, when we were outside, we had no family. We were fatherless. 
We were called wicked. We were called sinner. We were called selfish. We were called greedy. We were called swindlers. But when all of a sudden Jesus comes into the picture and we realize that the Messiah died on this earth and then went to the grave and then rose from the grave to prove his divinity, as soon as that happened, he proved other than any other person that claimed to be God that he was God. He did it by the resurrection. And as soon as we believed in what he did, he says, now you're no longer those things you have been made brand new. You're called a child of God. You're called my workmanship. You are now salt and light for me. You are now going to bear much fruit for me. It's a total change of identity. Some of us hopefully have had fathers that we have been able to look at that have given us an example of what God is like. Some of us haven't had that. Hopefully most have. If you haven't had that, hopefully you've become that to your kids where you are giving that example. What would cause a father to get up in the middle of a public restaurant and dance with his son? Let me tell you, a deep, deep love for my son. What would cause a son to want to obey his father? Answer? a deep, deep love for his father. Why is it important that we know who we are? Because it affects everything that we do. If we know that we are a child of the king, if we know that we are a child of God and that he is a father that will never abandon us, that he will always be there for us, it affects everything in our life. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians, we make it our goal to please him. Whether we're present in this body or absent, we want to please him no matter what. You see, God becomes our ultimate focal point, and he ought to be. He is our ultimate focal point in our life, and I will say at times we get off course. At, at times we get our job at that focal point. At times we get uh, relationships on that focal point. And when we have that, disaster happens. But when God is the focal point, then we can run the race. Hebrew says that we're to run the race that is marked out before us, but here's how we do it. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. It's important that we know who we are. Now, if we know who we are, then we'll, we can obey God. We will do what he has asked us to do because he's a loving father. We know that he wouldn't ask us to do anything that we shouldn't do. He's going to ask us to do the things that we should invest into. And this is what we must do. This is the second question. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 says this. Jesus makes his comment just before he ascends to heaven. He says to his disciples, go therefore and make disciples. After his resurrection, this was the one theme that he came back to again and again when he saw his disciples. Now I want you to put yourself in the disciples' shoes that morning. Fifty days after Pentecost, Jesus gathers his disciples together and he says, okay guys, a little bit, here's what's going to happen. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and you're going to receive power. 
And here's what I want you to do. I want you to fulfill what I told you to do, that you're going to be my witnesses to go out and make disciples of all nations. That's what you're going to do. And you're going to start in your own hometown, and you're going to move out beyond there because the whole world is the goal. That's what we're going to accomplish. And so Jesus makes mention of that. He tells them there to be that kind of witness. And guess what Jesus does? He, right before their eyes, ascends into the heavens. Now, can you imagine as the disciples see Jesus ascend, they've been given this great commission for them to do, and all of a sudden I can see them scratching their heads and looking at each other like, okay, where do we go from here, man? What do we do? What do we do? So if you were in their shoes and you had nothing but people, you had no buildings, you had no programs, you had no staff, you had nothing. What would you do if you were put in charge of spreading the gospel? What would you do? Would you do this? This is option one. Would you start by developing a building fund so that we could have the state-of-the-art facilities? Would you focus all your energy and resources on gathering the best speakers, the best worship leaders, the best youth pastors, the best of everything? Would you make it so that all the people that were coming to listen had padded pews and had state-of-the-art sound and state-of-the-art visuals? Would you have it so that the children had like McDonald-like playground equipment? Would you do that? Would that be our focal point? Or might we do this? Might we take a different approach? May we have a different focus? Would we possibly commission everyone to scatter throughout the week into their neighborhoods, their businesses, their place of recreation, into their families and with their friends, and in, into the places of life that they go on a daily basis in the natural rhythm of life to lead a life worth emulating? Through this, being, they, through this, they first become the good news before people hear the good news, and thus the discipleship process begins because some are curious. When they gather together, when we gather together, we would devote ourselves to the teaching of God's Word. We would devote ourselves to sharing and worshiping the Lord, and we would share our joys and our hurts from our adventures of spreading the gospel. When somebody would move out from our body, we would rejoice because we know that that disciple is going to go and be planted somewhere else. We would then become not a self-serving community, but we would be a distribution center of people and resources, and we would work to build not our name, but the name of God by starting other churches, churches that would exalt the name of Christ. Which option would you go with? The disciples did option two. Now, that's not saying that we can't have worship leaders or pastors. It's saying what our focal point is. You see, my friends, how we answer the question, what would we do, largely depends on what our focus is as a church, what our focal point is. Let me tell you at Mission View what our elders, I'm trying to summarize what our elders want to get across, what we believe the scriptures are teaching. Number one, we, we believe our focal point is that we should be mission-driven. 
that we are called to make disciples and that these disciples are to grow in intimacy with God. You've heard that before, haven't you? Have a greater community with one another. You've heard that. And so in turn, they would be commissioned back out so that they could be an influence in the world. That's our mission. We would empower people. That's what we want to do. Our job, according to Ephesians 4, is to equip God's people for works of service. And since we believe in the priesthood of believers, meaning it's not me that's just a minister, you're a minister, you're a minister, you're a minister if you have the Spirit of God within you. I'm not more important. I have a different role than you. I have a leadership role that's respected, but I'm not more important. We have all a role. Too often in times we have elevated the person of pastor to being some supreme being that we have to cower to. That's not true. I get my, put my pants on just like you do. I don't have any golden uh, connection to God. I do as you do, but I have my role because we're part of the priesthood of believers. We believe in sowing abundantly. That has to happen. My friends, if we want the vision to go forward, we have to sow into the lives of people. Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to sow into your life. In the coming months, we're going to sow the book of Mark into your life. Guess why? So that you, in turn, might sow that into the lives of people that might be the people of peace in your life. Take a look at last week's message, and you'll understand that term, peaceful, people of peace in your circle of influence. And our desire is that you would grow the church by sharing Christ with others. By the way, at Mission View, one of the reasons why we try to keep things simple is that we're not trying to add one more thing and one more thing and one more thing for you to be a part of because we don't want to detract from the most important thing, and that is we are to go and to make disciples. Jesus gave that as a command. And as a church, we want to make disciples by growing laterally. What do I mean by that? God has not called us to build a name for ourselves and thus grow vertically. Many churches love to name brand. They love to, to have a denomination, and some will unapologetically want to have the biggest and the best church. They're accountable for God for that vision. But what we see modeled in the scriptures is that we are to grow outward, not upward. We're to have influence. We don't want to build a new Tower of Babel to our name. We don't want to build something high and where we can be lifted up. No, we have one name to lift up, and that is the name of Jesus Christ by carrying out the mission that he has given us. So the third question is this. What is the ultimate goal? What do we want to accomplish? Here, let me give you a, uh, the latter part of Matthew 28. It says, go and make disciples of all what? Nations. Of all nations. Fact. There's 200 nations in this world. Fact. Of those 200 nations, there's 11,000 people groups. Of those 11,000 people groups, there are 6,000 people groups that are considered unreached people groups, meaning less than 2% of the entire population would be considered uh, Christian. That's true in Turkey, 75 million people, and there is like less than 1% that are believers in that country. Fact, 2 billion people have never 
heard the name of Jesus Christ. So as a fellow strategist, and you are asked the question, what is the ultimate goal, knowing that Jesus has given the commission to make disciples of all nations, you know the answer to that. Our answer is all nations that we would not just be about here, but that God would have us be about out there as well. You say, Steve, how is that going to happen? It's impossible for us to reach all nations. It would be arrogant for us to think that. No, no, we'll never reach all nations at Mission View. But here's what I know. There's this divine chessboard that God is working, and we are a pawn. And God can move us to Turkey, to Thailand, to India, wherever he wants. And guess what? Every church, he is working the universal body of Christ, and he is orchestrating something that is absolutely majestic and beautiful all over this world. But what we have to be is sensitive to what God wants of us in going out. And you have to be sensitive to you being go to going out. David Platt in his book, Follow Me, says this, what would happen if disciples of Jesus stopped assuming that the default for where we might live and work is North America? What if we began to look intentionally for jobs among the nations? What if students in church began studying specifically for the purpose of getting jobs overseas among unreached peoples? Or what if those same students simply started studying overseas for the explicit purpose of making disciples in unreached areas? Similarly, what if business leaders began strategically looking for avenues to expand their influence among unreached nations? My friends, is it possible that God may have a greater purpose in your life of reaching the nations than you ever thought possible? I believe so. The last question is, how do we do this? Let me give you three things before the elders come, and I'm going to have the elders start making their way up here at this time. Three things. Number one, pray. Pray for our circle of responsibility. Pray for God's leading in your life. Pray for the workers that are out on the field. Number two, give. Give to the mission. National statistics say that Christians in North America give less than 2.5% of their income to charitable uh, uh, institutions. And less than 2% of that is with the local church. Less than 2% are given. Now, it's also a fact that churches give less than 2% to missions. That's not going to be the case here at Mission View. Friends, I, if we believe the mission then we will give proportionately to our belief. Let that sink in. If we believe in the mission, we will give proportionately to the belief. And finally, we go. We pray, we give, we go. We go every Sunday out of here onto the mission field. We go to our workplaces. We go with the mentality that I'm an ambassador for Christ to make disciples. And then possibly God would have us to go abroad. We believe at Mission View that you should have experiences in other cultures. We think it's good for you. This year we have three key strategic partners that we are going to be working with. We've picked one that doesn't cost as much, trying to be financially responsible, and that's going to be in Mexico. Let me just tell you, we only have three slots open, and the deadline is October 10th. 
We pick this place because there's an incredible work that's going on. Look at our latest newsletter. We have them at the uh, information table about all three. But these trips are incredibly impactful. I've been to all three to prepare the way so that teams could go and that we could be confident that our finances are not going to be wasted, that we're going to do a valuable work for God. We're going to be taking a trip in August to Turkey. Now, that's not an easy one. That's on the other side of the world. But we're going to do that because we want to work with our national partners. Yes, there's a cost of these things. There's always a cost. We're going to go to Thailand in October to be, work with our children in the children's home we started. We don't want to just send a paycheck. We want to have a relationship. We want to help win these girls to Christ. And so these are the mission projects we're going to work on. Now, we're going to give, as elders, to anybody that's a member, we're going to give 10% of your cost because that's what we, we believe in you going. Now, we'd like to give more. Our goal eventually is to give 25%, but that's where we're at right now. Now, in light of this message, what I've done is I've asked the elders to come and share with you the vision that we have discussed together over the last year, really, of the various things that we would like to see happen. A lot of information is going to be given to you. We will have these vision points on the Internet, but what I'd like for them to do is to come and to share, and we're going to start with Todd sharing some, uh, one of those points. So we're going to have everyone line up. I'm going to move this gigantic table over here. Go ahead, Todd. So, there's hundreds of churches in the area. What distinguishes Mission View? Um, Acts 2.42 talks about a church plant that was started in Jerusalem, and it said about them, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of the bread and uh, prayers. So, the reality is, this type of church is rare. Steve talked about the importance of making disciples, but to to make a disciple, we have to be a disciple. Our vision is, as a church, that we would just be committed to prayer and to the word. Several weeks ago, uh, during the service, we did a survey. How often are you praying each week? How often are you reading the word each week? Uh, that's an important baseline for us. As we uh, progress as a church, we want to look back on that, and we want to see that we're advancing in that area. But it's not about being legalistic and just how many times can we you know, check our calendars that we've prayed. The more important question that day was, how is it affecting your life? That's what we want it to be, not just to spend time in the Word, but that it be uh, affecting our life. So it also talked about them uh, devoting themselves to fellowship and the breaking of pancakes, uh, to, to translate. And that's our desire to worship corporately. It wouldn't make sense for us just to leave here today and say, we'll see you in a year. Go read your Bible. Go pray. No, we need to be getting together every week. We need to be spending time uh, encouraging each other, challenging each other to grow uh, in our walk with the Lord. So just to encourage you to make this Sunday worship a priority. Uh, as you've heard a lot recently and as we heard more today, uh, we just desire that each and every person is involved in community. God didn't call us to live life alone, and he called us to be a community, to be invested in one another's lives. And so 
the, the, our baseline for that is we want to see 80% of people who are involved at Mission View, 80% of people, so four out of every five, plugged in and actually going to a community group, not signed up for a community group. And that's our baseline. That's because we believe it is that essentially vital. And it doesn't mean we're going to be happy at 80%. What 80% means is that's the absolute minimum. And so if you're on the fence, if, if you haven't gone, um, this is for the next year. This is, this is it. This is the baseline. We want 80% of people to be involved because we see how important it is that you're involved in lives together and you're really living living life together and you're there for people to encourage them when things are great and you're there to encourage them when things aren't so great and so we believe that's what the new testament's called us all to do it's not too late get involved in a community group we want again our baseline's 80 percent so a year from now if we don't have 80 percent you know i'm gone so so get in a group <laughs> if not because god told you to do it if not because i've begged you to do it do it because my wife's going to give birth in the next week, week and a half, and there's two little mouths to feed. And so don't starve my children because I got fired. Get involved in a community group. Uh, secondly, we, we, want, we want people involved in groups, but we want you to not, just to, not just to get together, but we want each and every person to come to understand and utilize this special gift that God's given them. We believe the New Testament's very clear that at the time of salvation, God gives us his spirit. And with that comes a unique gift or set of gifts that God gives each believer. And he's equipped us to utilize those for his glory. And so what we want to see is we want to see each and every person utilizing their gift, whether it's in the church or outside of the church. We want to see people utilizing the gift set that God's given them. And so that means we want to see 100% of people serving God. And it doesn't mean it has to be within the Mission View context, though there are plenty of needs within the Mission View context. Everything from helping out with kids to working with students to saying hi to people when they show up. We have an entire meal. I mean, you name it, we have an opportunity for you to utilize your gift. And we just want to encourage you, if you're not, start utilizing it. If you're utilizing it outside of the church, that is great, and we need utilization there as well because we need the, we need the uh, people who are far from Christ to understand that God loves them and that there is a plan for them, and, and God sent his son Jesus for the, on their behalf. And so we want to see each and every person utilizing their gift uh, within the context of the church and outside of the context of the church because we believe that God's given you that gift. And if you're like, whoa, I don't know where to start, that's great. You want to know how to figure it out, just do something. And if you hate it, that's okay. Just because we're a church, you don't have to pretend you love children. You don't have to pretend you love working with students. We know most of you don't. It's fine. It's great. But if you do, great. Go there and serve. And if you don't, try it out and then bow out and be like, not for me, but don't stop. Find what is for you. So get involved in a group, live life together, and serve. Utilize the gift set that God's given you. We have a, a really unique ministry here at Mission View, and I think you know that. I mean, look, we're in a high school. We're meeting in a high school. Many of you come from places that met in traditional church environments, and uh, we really have a, a neat opportunity here because we're quick, we're nimble, we can get to the marketplace quickly. And I think one of the important things that we're trying to do as a, as a church um, is really to give sacrificially. And I know we've talked about this as the elders, and really, what does sacrificial giving mean? It means just that, you know, giving till, you know, there's a point where it's your giving of yourself. It's your money, it's your resources, it's your time, it's your efforts, it's your talents. But if we're going to be effective as a ministry, we have to give sacrificially. 
One of the things that you'll see as we meet here is the fact that we meet in a, a rented facility. We're really kind of a low overhead ministry. And because of that, as we give sacrificially, our hope is just this, that we will have more to give to missions and to give to the people that we're supporting across the globe. We take it very seriously that we're ministering here locally. We recognize the importance to minister regionally and minister collaboratively within our community. But we also look at it and say, there's many unreached places over the globe. And if you look at our website right now and see the amount of missionaries that we're currently engaged with, you'll look at it and say, for a church that's one year old, we touch a lot of different parts of this globe already. So we're thankful that we're able to do that. But I'll tell you one thing, we have a pastor that has a heart for missions such that is, um, as, as un it's unique. I wish more pastors had a heart that was this big for missions. He loves his local community. He loves the, the regional and collaborative things we can do, but he has a big heart for the globe as well. And he's not willing to just say it, he's willing to go as well. And I think that's one of the things that Steve had mentioned is we don't want people just to be givers. We want people to be goers and doers. So I think it's, um, in basketball, they have that term that they use, give and go. It's a give and go play. Well, it's kind of like that in ministry too, where we want to give our resources, yes, but we want to go as well. So there's a lot of things that we are hopeful for about the days ahead, but uh, giving sacrificially is extremely important to us. Um, thinking if there's anything else here, I think maybe just the only other comment I had is just the fact that I feel like we're just scratching the surface. It's amazing how quickly a year can go by, but right now I think we're just at the very beginning of what God wants to do you know, with us and through us. So anyway, give sacrificially. The fifth, uh, fifth immediate short-term goal that we have is that each attender would pray for their core, their circle of responsibility, and that they would seek out to share God's grace story, the story that God has worked in your life. The reason we say that is we want people to be at the forefront of your mind. And if you're praying for people that do not know Christ, then they will be at the forefront of your mind. And that will hopefully give opportunity for you to be able to share your story. Now, we want to help you in every way possible. Uh, there's two things that we're going to be doing this next year. One is we're going to be providing New Testaments and Gospels of John at the office for you guys. Anytime that you need some, if you're saying, hey, I'm doing a Bible study at work and nobody has a Bible, we're going to help provide that. Um, we'll have them at the office. You can call us. We'll get those for you. We want to assist you. Another thing we're also excited about, Lord willing, if, uh, if everything could fit in our budget this year, we want to have a ministry trailer next summer so that we will equip it with a, an inflatable popcorn machine, uh, children's supplies, games, and things like that that you can sign out throughout the summer so that you and your community group can do ministry, maybe a block party, maybe a neighborhood club in your own neighborhood because we don't want to do the ministry for you. We want to do the ministry with you. And so we want to provide every available way for you to be able to do that. Now, these are some of the short-term goals. Now, by the way, if you don't know, if you're new to the church, this is Randy Smith. This is Todd LePage. I think some of you know Brian and myself, Steve. Uh, I want to share a couple long-term goals before we close out. Um, one of our long-term goals is that we would plant or assist in, in church plants in three spheres. We want to do it locally, we want to do it regionally, and we want to do it abroad. And so we're going to aim at doing those three things. Locally, this next year, our sending ministry, Maranatha, is going to be sending a new church out to Tuslaw with jo Pastor Joel Strop. 
We're going to try to come alongside any way that we can to help out, to be an encouragement to him locally. Ultimately, we would like to see a church planted that Mission View takes the lead in within the next three years. We don't know where that's going to be. We want to pray for the sensitivity, but we believe in reproduction, okay? Just as families grow by reproduction, churches grow by reproduction, and we believe that that should be true of us as well. So, uh, <laughs> my wife is too. I believe in <laughs> I know you do. I do. So that's that's one of our long-term goals. Todd, what's the next one? Okay. Uh, the support of the ministry. Remember, new new was with us six months ago, roughly. Uh, so we had a chance to meet her. Uh, few things sadder than seeing on the news that a woman's been abducted uh, in this country. And it almost always leads to loss of life. Uh, in Asia, that same thing happens. It doesn't lead to loss of life, it leads to loss of freedom. And remember, Nu is trying to protect those girls from the, the sex uh, trade. We're currently supporting nine girls at home in Thailand right now. Uh, some of you are supporting, uh, providing monthly support uh, for those girls. We actually have need of one more uh, family or a couple that would commit uh, forty dollars a month. Sixty. Is it sixty dollars a month? Sorry, I looked on the website. But uh, Noni was uh, is going to be at the table after the service. If you would be somebody who would be interested in doing that, uh, our vision though is that we see that home expand and that we would be able to support an additional ten girls. Uh, and then, as Steve had mentioned earlier, that we would be sending a team in October of two thousand and fifteen to support that ministry as well. Just as we want to be uh, purposeful and intentional in the ministries we get involved with abroad, we understand, too, we need to take care of our home turf, and we need to be active in the community. And as we look at the demographics of North Canton, as we look at the demographics of Stark County, we realize that this is a job that's bigger than one church, and God hasn't called us to tackle that on our own. And so what we're trying to do is we're trying to build strategic partnerships with like-minded churches and ministries. We don't necessarily agree on every point of doctrine, but what we do agree on is the fact that Jesus is God, that he came to pay the price for our sins. He died on the cross for us again on the third day, and that's the only way to salvation. So we're building partnerships uh, and attempting to build partnerships with like-minded churches so that we can see success across uh, the greater Stark County uh, for, for the gospel. And so some of those churches are River Tree, New Point, the chapel in North Canton, uh, a leadership um, subsidiary that comes alongside and supports pastors. But we're involved and we're actively engaged in that. And we want to continue meeting together and continue praying together as we examine ways that we can support one another's ministry because this vision is, is greater than anything that we uh, can do just as Mission View and anything greater than any singular church within Stark County can really accomplish. And so our goal really is to model and to perfect uh, John 17, where Jesus is praying for his disciples and praying for all, all Christians before he went to the cross and died. And in his prayer, he asks that we would achieve perfect uh, unity. And so our goal is not that we would all conform to a doctrinal statement. The scriptures leave room for disagreement, and we can look at an issue from different ways and agree to disagree on that. But what we would agree on is the fact that Jesus came to redeem people, and uh, that's the road to salvation. And so that's, that's where we're at, and that's what we're trying to do with other like-minded churches in Stark County. And we're just at the beginning stages of that, but that's something that's very intentional to us. Another way uh, that we can be involved in ministry on a long-term basis is um, 
related to business as missions. And I think as a church, we're really a learning church too. We, we don't feel like we have all the answers and we don't feel like we have all the, uh, the, the, the best laid plans in place at the moment, but something we've been learning about over the last year and learning a lot about, quite honestly, is business as missions. And what we're realizing is that some communities and some, some cultures are closed to the gospel and ways to penetrate, the go- to, to penetrate those communities is to work through the business sector of these communities. It's amazing how we take for granted so much the, the vibrancy of our economy and, and the availability of jobs and the ability of us to, to be part of a church and support the church through our giving. But many communities have churches that aren't vibrant because they don't have people that have jobs. And uh, we have uh, members in our church who are very active in being involved in helping to plant uh, businesses in other communities across the globe, finding ways through simple things, like through taxi ministries and motorcycle ministries, and through lumber and growing trees and things of that nature that create opportunities for income and commerce to be conveyed, which in turn causes people to have jobs, to be able to support churches, and allow them to grow in a healthy way. So we're really seeing a a high priority on business as missions. And what we really want to do is be able to run alongside young people and young business leaders and be able to encourage them, teach them, train them, and prepare them to start businesses, not only here in the U.S., but abroad, so that, once again, they can build commerce and vibrancy in other parts of our country. We just think that business as missions is really important. We've seen it modeled out. We've seen it be effective. And we just think it's something we have to embrace and uh, we want to run alongside those that are doing it currently. So that's an important area. Thanks, Randy. Obviously, there's a lot of things that we would like to see happen this year, and uh, God has to make it happen. Last week, I shared with you three evils that I see in society and I, that are making a mark for, for the enemy on our society. And I challenged us that we would make our mark in society. I want to take that one step further as we conclude. I want to take it one step further and ask you to think about where the evils in our society get their mission. And if we look at John 10, 10, Jesus gives where evil gets its mission. It says the thief, Jesus says this, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. You see, evil all has the same marching orders. The same marching orders. It doesn't matter what form evil comes in. It always has one mission, and that is to kill, to steal, and to destroy. That's the, that's the goal of the enemy. But I want you to know there's a counterpart to the enemy's mission, and Jesus said this. He said, I came that you would have life and life abundantly. That's the counter mission, that we give out abundant life. And so when we go out and we make disciples, we are in the process of giving out abundant life to people. We're handing out life, and we're not forcing it on anybody. We're loving people because God has called us to make disciples. So my question as we conclude is, are we making disciples? Are we on board with this mission? Because when this does happen, there will be a multiplication that God does in our society. His name will be multiplied. His glory will be multiplied. He will be exalted because these empty chairs here will be filled with worshipers who will bow their knee to God and who will say, you be glorified. Let's be a part 
of this mission. Let's listen to this last song in conclusion. <laughs>